Hello there. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. This is me, Stephen Torres, and in my podcast, I aim to discuss things. Right now, I have 30 questions on which my Facebook friends and other significant people have sent to me, and I aim to answer them to the best of my abilities. Right here is my first question sent by Rawl, my friend, a long-time friend. I haven't seen him in years, as with most people on this list, but still I will do my best to answer their questions because they mean the world to me. They are my friends, they are my acquaintances, they are my family. So his first question is, being a fan of Nirvana, how does Kurt's depression and eventual suicide affect you? And how does it inspire you to be better and avoid his mistakes? Well, what kind of question is this? This is so amazing because I can relate to this in more ways than one. First, both of us, me and Cobain, suffer from depression and mood swings. And we do share the same love of the grunge lifestyle and music. We were both inspired early on in our lives by acts such as The Beatles classic, and, other, and other classic rock hits. Creedence Clearwater Revival is one of my favorites. And I believe it's also inspired Kurt. Um, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, and whatnot. And early punk. So, to answer the first part of this, how does the depression and eventual suicide of Kurt Cobain affect you? Well, I was not born during this era, of course. He died in 94 and I was born in 96. But still, it is troubling, all I can say. I wish I was alive early on, just a few earlier earlier years, maybe mid-80s, so I could have at least, uh, you know, been alive during uh, Cobain's height, Cobain's heyday. So, does it inspire you to be better and avoid his mistakes? Of course it does. But in in the same way, you somehow live with depression and you're a fucking weirdo in the face of others. Still, people look at you differently, no matter what you do to better yourself, and you just take on this mask of grunginess, grow your hair out, avoid taking baths, forget to live. But then again, are you living? (laughs) Yes, you are. Do you think, second question, that the world is really in a pandemic? Or that the world governments are using the disease to mess with people's minds? Well, this this can be both true. The world truly is in a pandemic, but it has been blasted out of uh, has been blasted out of proportion. Of course, if they just used, especially in the Philippines, if they just used the funds that went to all over and wherever, and just you know prioritized basic medical aid, that's what we really need, don't we? We are a third world country. I'm not a political theorist. I'm a fucking 
college student. I am in educate. I am in teaching education. That's my degree. But I do have a few cents on my mind, a few pennies that I'd like to just fucking throw up. I really, I really wish that our government had handled this better. And who doesn't? All the way from the start, our neighboring country, Taiwan, had banned early on the entry of aliens, particularly from the country of China. And as a result, they have had very little, you know, cases. While we, on the other hand, early on this year, were welcoming our Chinese comrades. And the second part question has this been done to mess with people's minds? Of course. Any government would take on a pandemic as this. They would take on this opportunity to instill fascist and authoritarian um, fascist and authoritarian uh, rules in order to, and policies in order to instill a stronger military state, a stronger dictatorial state. And that's what he would would have been doing if the ICC hadn't come and bit his ass. Okay, lastly, who was the biggest douche you met in rehab, specifying only incidents and not names? Who was the biggest douche I met? Well, I'm, I, I have been, for, for your information, I have been in rehab for about five years in the psych department. And um, I did meet so many douchebags to name, but off the top of my head, there was this guy. He was in the same unit as me. Well, we all were in one unit. And uh, he was a rapist. He had a record, but he was also a schizophrenic. And he would just fuck with me every day. He'd just come up and I'd leave a cup and it was a violation. He'd say I left like 10 cups. What a retard. And everyone believed him. In the end, I'd be like in the hole. I'd be in a, in a special isolated room just for leaving cups that weren't mine. And other things that are much worse that I delve into later on in the podcast. Later on as this podcast pushes through, I'd go deep into my rehab experiences and there is no stopping me from doing so. Okay, Daniel, my friend here in Bacolod, has asked, If you were a bird, who would you shit on first? Well, I'd shit on possibly our dear president, Duterte. Ceci is asking me, Is there really a true freedom? This is such a fucking deep question coming from someone Ceci's age. And I'm glad she has asked me this. What is freedom first to define? I am not an academic, but freedom, right? I am just a little, I am just a douche who sits. Well, in a way, you can say it is. There is freedom, but if it is really true, is another thing. Because, of course, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm, I can start my podcast at 10 p.m. in a small Philippine village in my room. I can go out say, fuck y'all, to a bunch of people. And they have every right to get mad and punch me in the face, in the, in the gut. I can, and so that's freedom, right? But I also, on the, on, on, on the other hand, 
can I really do what I want? I wanna, I wanna, I started this podcast because I have so many issues in my brain and I have so many opinions in my mouth. And so I just wanna let it flow. I wanna let it ebb. But still, you know, there are so many venues that other people in other countries that are more free than us have that we deeply lack. You know, uh, let's, for example, state a mental health awareness campaign that is, I have seen it in Canada a few years back. And so most Canadians, when you um, talk to them about mental health, they'd be like, I feel your pain, I feel your anxiety, I feel your depression, I feel your mood swings. It's all right. Having this is just... Because they teach teach that to them in school. And how this relates to freedom is, is really education. And once... If you have an educated population, you have more freedoms because people are more accepting of you in a way. Next one. From Ceci as well. Are people really scared of death? Or are they just scared to be forgotten? Of course, well, speaking for myself and not for others, I don't know. In a way, I'm scared of dying, but in another sense, again, again, two things at once that might co co uh, that might that might bump each other out. But um, I am scared of dying when I'm not manic. But when I'm manic. I don't give a fuck if I get run over by a bus because I know the bus is gonna, the driver is gonna be like, shit. Man, I run over a dude. But are they just scared to be forgotten? Second part question. I am definitely scared to be forgotten regardless of my mood. And so I think most people are along the lines of both. They are scared of death, but also scared of being forgotten. Who isn't scared of death, really? I don't know, I haven't surveyed people, I haven't asked folk. You will find people, I think, let's say, um, I can specify my father. I, he would say something like, everybody dies, you don't need to be scared of that. But is he really, does he really mean what he says? Someone pulls up a gun and I, I break his, I, I start smashing his, his uh, belongings or what. He would definitely call police as he had done in the past. So, in a way, people are scared of death, no matter the toughest guy you ask. It's innate. It's in our nature. Next question. Can you truly trust someone? Well, it depends on, uh, on who. Again, these are very deep-ass fucking questions coming from Ceci, and I really, I really thank her for uh, coming up and uh, sending all of this how many did you send? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions. So can you truly trust someone? Of course. There are people I give my 100% trust. And there are people I don't give a fuck to tell the link of my podcast to. Because, you know, people are are so various. As, as you start to know certain people, you know, that they're just in it. Because, uh, especially in this area, that they're just in it. Because uh, they can get something from you. So as a result, I become slightly more paranoid than the average Filipino. But then again, in a way, in a way, I, I, I give my trust easily to certain folk. Most people, I mean, I just go up, talk about my illness. I talk about anything, really. Next one. Are you really content 
or have you just given up? What a fucking question! And, and to think that she's only what a teenager, uh, Ceci's just a teenager and had in a young age and had uh, uh, come up with all these very good and provoking questions. Okay, yeah, I am. Am I content? Or have yeah? I've just I will answer this straight up. I have just given up. Okay, that's the only answer to are you really content or are you or have you just given up? I've just given up. Next, if God is all real, all loving and all powerful, why does he let suffering in the world? Why does he let all suffering in the world? Why does he let the world suffer if he is all real, loving and powerful? Well, you know in theology this is the problem of uh Omnipotence, or was it the problem of evil? Yeah, it's problem problem of evil. Like, why does he? Why does God let? It can be rephrased as, why does God let evil happen if He is a good God? You know, if He is a good God and He lets evil happen, then He has no power and He's not good. But if He is good and has no power over evil, then He is powerless. And so it goes on and says. Why call him God if he has no power? What a very thing to say, you know. If 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 a Filipino dad or a Filipino lola or some tita would hear me, hear one discuss about God in this manner, things would go wild. People would be, you know, cut cut out of uh, families. These 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 discussions are how families get uh get are how families and you know how families get estranged you know just by god and religion so to answer the question well he lets suffering in the world i'm a deist d-e-i-s-t so to answer the question he lets suffering in the world because he has no power though he exists and, and the next question from sassy if god is real why can't he show himself well god can't show himself because he is not a human form i believe he's a spirit he is real, but he doesn't give a fuck. I don't. We don't. We can't know. Maybe he's an alien. He doesn't have like a human form. I do believe. And and uh, second to the last, for Christians, if we are truly created in the image of God by Himself, why do we all look different? Why do some people have deformities? So I don't know how to answer this. I'm not a Christian, but in in a, when I was a Christian and from the Catholic perspective, I would probably say that uh, you know maybe this is God. You know how the Indians or the um, ancient Aztecs had gods with many heads and Medusa and whatnot? Maybe, you know. I have this theory that all gods are true, so perhaps, you know, you can't discredit another person's belief on the basis of your belief. So, I do believe that perhaps, you know, this god has all the deformities and all the perfections. Just to answer that. If everything has a creator, then who created God? Well, there are things that don't need creations, like, that don't require any explanation. There are things like, why, why is a tree brown? What the fuck? Why, why, would it, why wouldn't it be brown? Why, why is, or why is my sheet, why are my sheets pink? My, my, my bed sheets right now are like violet pink, purple pink. There is no answer to that. There is no answer to it at all. It just happened to be pink, and so... God just happened to be there, perhaps. Okay, my girlfriend sent me uh, about five questions. 
the first one being Wincy sent me. If you were able to turn back time, which part of your life would you want to go back to? To answer this, okay, it's a very uh, drastic shift from from the previous uh, questioner. The previous uh, questions were it had been too serious, and so I enjoy this uh, dynamic uh, shift. I'd like to perhaps go back when I was a little kid and I didn't know suffering and all the shit in the world. I was just a little boy with my grandparents. It was all happy. You know, that's just a simple answer there. Okay, next one is what's your philosophy in life? My philosophy in life is, uh, you know, just do it. You know, like Nike, Nike, just do it. Do it. Don't look back. Don't regret. Go forward. You can regret a little bit, but, uh, you know. Don't give a fuck about what other people think. And there's no other way to say this. What's one thing you'd like to change about yourself? Okay, she asks me this. Uh, I'd like to change perhaps, you know, being too proud, perhaps? I don't know. I don't know. There's no... Uh, nothing much to say here. 16. What do you fear? Next one. What do you fear? I fear perhaps being, you know, being left out on the streets, being abandoned, you know, who wouldn't have that fear? You know, at this age in my life, I'm 24 and I'm supposed to get a job and I'm still in college and the job market is not good. It's volatile. But man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make, I gotta make myself a cake. I gotta make my own cakes. Second is the last. Are you religious or spiritual? Perhaps none, because I don't have a belief. Or perhaps I'm more spiritual. To answer this, answer this question more strictly, perhaps I am more spiritual, because uh, I, I don't believe in religion or spirituality. But being a deist, I believe it is more on spirituality to answer this. Aiden, what would you do if you had a million dollars? If I had a million dollars, I would freaking, you know, this was asked one time to me or several times to me. So I did, I, I just coming out, I had been coached perhaps. You know, I, I already have, I already have uh, my answer in my head before, as soon as I, heard, as soon as I read this question, I've, I, my answer is in the back of my head and I'm just making it come out right now. If I had a million dollars, first thing I do is change my name, my identity, right? And then I'd, uh, I'd, I'd hire a private army, I, since I'd, I'd have all this money. I'd embezzle my money in several accounts, you know, offshore and some here. I'd, and then I'd invest. I'd invest a portion. Of course, um, I would need to have a uh, trusted trusted people. You know, I'd have I'd have, had to have a lawyer, perhaps a family member, and an and an accountant. And then, and then I'd have to have, you know, an army, you know, uh, freaking uh, small army to protect me and my investments. I'd, uh, I'd buy, I'd buy land. I'd buy uh, bond stocks, you know, forex and shit. I wouldn't buy anything like cars, you know. I'd keep everything as is. I'd try to keep a low profile. And then, well, <laughs> I don't know what goes next, but. Uh, I just try to keep the ball rolling as much as possible. I try to double, triple the money as much as possible. I try to get out out of uh, of businesses that are not likely to succeed in illegal shit. Uh, at least, at least this is more or less what I do. If I had a million dollars, assuming this is American currency. Okay, Jarrell asks me. Yeah, he was with me in uh in the center in the psych ward in the rehab. 
And so he asks me, do you think rehab helped or was it a waste of time and money? Explain. Um, it was mostly a waste of time and money, especially in my case where I spent five years in. Perhaps almost six years I'd spent three years at one time and three years in another time. And it was totally a waste of time and money. Perhaps if I only spent... If I only had spent uh, just a couple months, it would be fun. A year would be enough. But I spent five years, it was too much. Six years, it was hell. It shouldn't have been that extensive. The addicts only came in for three to six months. And I usually six months. If they relapsed, they'd come in from eight to 12 months. And they've come in again, perhaps 12 months, perhaps a year. Uh, perhaps two years. Uh, perhaps a year and a half. But uh, there's no way to justify me spending a total of six or five years in there. Not at all. So it was an ex I, it was a total waste of time and money. Next. How does being a bipolar affect your day-to-day -day life here in the Philippines? And how do you interact with people? It affects me on a daily, on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. They don't, they don't know what to do when my moods change. They don't know what to do when my eyebrows raise or, or go down or I start getting a mood swing and I'm hiding everything from them. They think I'm just fucking with them. They think I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just being a, uh, you know, holier than thou. I'm on my high horse. They don't fucking know. They don't fucking know that I have a real actual disease. And how I, inter and second part of the question, how it affects my daily life. Yeah, it affects, again, like I said, it affects me daily. And the second part is how I interact with people. The, the interaction part is fine. But when, again, when I get the swings, it's, it really fucks with them and them too. And they do, they do try to, you know, they, they try to fight back thinking that I'm being aggressive. And it is terrible. It, it had led to many, you know, repercussions. It had led to many things in which I didn't even start shit, but. They just started fucking with me. Speaking English in a rural area in the Philippines, how do locals perceive you? Is it in a good way or a bad way? Of course, it is a bad way. Perhaps now, as I am recording this, people are all over around my compound hearing my shit, and they're like, look at this guy up there. He's speaking in in a, a language that is so, you know, that you hear on TV, that you hear in cowboy movies, that you hear in Hollywood. And I hate his nuts. So they definitely perceive it in a very bad, 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 bad way. You know, they think I'm so proud. I'm, I'm from Dubai and Manila and whatnot. But fuck them. This is my language. I do, I do, uh, I do mostly speak in Filipino or Tagalog. But they, but their native tongue is Hiligaynon or Ilongo. Who is your bet on becoming the president on 2022? Why? If uh, Lenny Robredo would run or anyone from the Liberal Party, I would, I would go for, Le I would go for Lenny. Why? Because uh, I am a liberal or a social democrat. Social dem democrat, uh, I'm leaning towards the extreme left. But, you know, I'd take anyone from the left, you know. I'd take any opposition, current opposition. Do you think Filipinos don't care about tradition and religion are westernized? Who, Filipinos don't care about tradition and religion are westernized? Yeah. I would say to some point that the if, once you you are free from the restraints of Filipino tradition and especially religion, because it is more it is more usual it is usual for a person to you know be free from tradition, since uh, there are many Filipinos abroad, but their religion always stays with them. They're always a Catholic. They're always an Iglesia. Somehow they may 
marry a Sa Saudi or a uh, American Protestant, but still, do you, barely do we have Filipinos who don't care about religion, and if they do, I would say that more or less, more likely, most likely, you are westernized. Next, sexuality is a spectrum. Do you agree? Not everything is black and white. Of course, I agree. It is a spectrum. I mean, you know, Freud said it himself that uh, you know, everyone's bisexual. I do agree, but you know, I'm too proud to state in public. Next, what's red tagging? Can you explain this to me? Thanks. Red tagging is when uh, someone is labeled as a communist or uh, a communist. A, someone associated with a communist party, you know, the Maccabians, the Akbayans. I don't want to name names. I don't even, I'm not even sure if they are actual communists or if they're just social democrats. The National Democratic Front or the NPA's, N NPA, which I have nothing wrong with. I don't have any, I don't have any issues with these people. I do, I do, I, I am so left-leaning. I'm, I'm a social democrat. I'm not a communist, but then again, I'm not a, traditional leftist i'm i believe in so many you know european and nordic and german germanic you know forms of uh socialism and, and canadian you know security net systems that we should you know at least take here next how do we fix the fake news culture that we're in once this horrible administration goes away it would be fixed you know it, most of it would be would be gone because they're being funded by some troll army or whatnot. The troll army is being funded. Next. Oh, I like this question going next. Why are the most liberal countries in the world the richest countries, while most conservative countries are the poorest? To answer this question, I don't think the most conservative countries are the poorest, because you have countries like the UAE that are actually quite, uh, you know, quite up there. They're up, they're up there. One of the, the richest countries are in the Arab Gulf and, and Singapore, Brunei and whatnot. Still, they, not too long ago, they used to be, you know, plain desert. Used to be empty, empty, empty islands with just, you know, just uh, a bunch of palm trees and whatnot. The most liberal countries are the most rich just because they had time to develop. They are under colonialism. Liberalism took root, you know. Perhaps, perhaps it's not so much of the proverbial, you know, the chicken or the egg, you know, which came first. Perhaps, perhaps the chicken came before the egg, you know, in this case. But you know, if we take a liberal country, for example, um, Denmark, I'd say, I'd say there are so many. I'd say one of the largest, you know largest uh, uh, things on why Denmark is richer than, let's say, Tanzania is because Denmark had time to develop, you know, liberalism, which came... Denmark was not so so rich in the mid medieval era, but it took time, you know. It was a hub before, early on, while Tanzania was just, you know, Blake Desert as it is today. It took time to, uh, you know, took time to take root the political and economic systems of these countries, you know. Um, hmm. But there are, again, it's funny to note that there are countries that, you know, because it's like oil in Dubai or, you know, single or Brunei, that these countries become rich overnight. 70s, Dubai was just a plain desert. 
do you think the Philippines will evolve and stop? And see, this guy really, Jarrell, man, you really, uh, you really dislike religion as much as I do, or more so. Why do you think the Philippines will evolve and stop introducing in religion and politics in the future, or is this a dead end already? I believe it is. It is so close to being a dead end. But given the current trends that I see on the internet, if these trends are, if these trends are. Uh, representative of the entire population of the Philippines, that a lot of Filipinos, you know, especially the youth, are becoming more and more liber liberal. They're becoming more and more open to the fact that the church is just a fucked up institution and, you know, just fuck them over and their parents over. 29. Do you agree that healthcare is a human right? Of course, it is a fucking human right. Nothing else to say there, nothing else to add. Do you think Filipinos are ready for the legalization of marijuana? Of course they are. You know, if they're ready to see people die over, you know, over a fucking herb that that had been smoked for centuries, it would it would be safe to say that the same people are ready to see to have, you know, the same plant be legalized, especially that the UN backs up the fact that this plant had has medicinal properties. But even so, you know, even though I'm not really, I'm not a user of this plant, but, you know, I have so many uh, things going on. I have depression, I have anxiety, but I might need to use it in the future when it becomes legal. So I do, I do hope for it being legal rather than I pay pills, pay for pills from my doctor that are expensive. But, um, you know, what is they saying? Uh... And you would see people who are who have chronic pain that medicines can't treat. They'd have to take opioids. They have to take I don't know some weird trans prescribed things. Why don't they just smoke a little, or take a little, whatever they are, whatever form of marijuana that would, that would be more uh, economic and it would be you know it would it would it would benefit whoever is growing. But of course, of course, you, of course, the big farmer doesn't want it, doesn't want that to happen, and the tobacco companies don't want that to happen. It's just, it's just facts of life. So thank you all for tuning in to my podcast. I've already reached 30 minutes. You know, this was so enjoyable. This was my first shot at doing so. And I'd love to continue to do so again, perhaps in a few days. I'd broadcast twice a week. Thank you for tuning in. Again, this is Stephen T. Peace out and thank you. Thank you for being my audience.